airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Hi, and welcome to Airing with the Addisons. I'm Jeff Shreve, along with my wife, Debbie. And we are filling in for Will and Miki this week and next as they had a baby late last week and introduced Timothy Rand into their family. We're very excited for them. And um, we're excited to be here. And we have enjoyed uh, yesterday and, uh, and Monday. And, and we're here looking, we are at hump day. We're at hump day, yes. And we're looking forward to this being a great uh, hour to encourage and to bless. Now, I know that many of us watched the election or uh, the uh, debates last night and uh, that that was an interesting uh, hour and a half or however long it lasted uh, you know what, how in the bible it says a day is like a thousand years <laughs> that's kind of what the what that felt like to me like a thousand years yeah it, it wasn't uh, the model for uh, civility and decorum but uh, a lot of good information was shared and so uh, just to uh, to piggyback on that, we want to encourage our listeners uh, to tune in and sign up on October 8th from 7 to 8.50 Central Time, a uh, pre-election town hall special hosted by Walker Wildman, the uh, American Family Association vice president and public policy analyst. You can sign up at uh, afa.net. Some of the topics that are going to be discussed will include the sanctity of life, will include judges, religious liberty, socialism, Marxism, and many more. And along with Walker Wildman, Tim Barton is going to be there oh, with Wall great. Builders. He's yes. a great speaker. And uh, Dr. Richard Land, who's a friend of mine, he is going to be there. The Benham Brothers will be a part of that evening. Star Parker, Abraham Hamilton III, and Sandy Rios. So you can sign up at... America or AFA.net and get more information. And I'm looking forward to that uh, that town hall a week from Thursday. Well, if you watched the debate last night, you know that uh, as far as communication goes, uh, there there wasn't a lot of um, of good takeaways as far as okay, this is how you should have a debate. Uh, it, t- it turned into a pretty much a free-for-all, and lots of people were, I mean, all three of the guys were talking uh, over each other. It was hard to... Oh, goodness. For me, it was major just stimulation overload. I, I, it, within like 30 minutes, I was exhausted. I like had to leave the room and told, told Jeff, I said, "I, I, I can't listen to this. It's just wearing me out. It was just too much stimulation for me. So we thought this would be a good springboard into talking about the subject of communication. Now, we obviously can't, uh, if we conduct our homes the way the debate was conducted last night, uh, we will have World War III at home. 
And as we shared yesterday, the most important place on the planet is your home. It's where you live, and you want that to be home sweet home, and you want that to be a place of peace and joy and um, safety and security. You want that for you know, for your marriage, you want that for your kids, especially that they know that home is a safe place. I, I still remember playing tag as a kid. Uh, one of the things that you would do when you'd play tag outside, the first thing you do is you, you had to establish what is home. Because when you had a home, then, you know, whatever that was, a light pole or a flagpole, a tree, whatever. But when I'm, when I was touching home, when I was at home, you couldn't tag me out because that was a safe place. And so God has designed the home to be a safe place. And one of the keys to having a great marriage and a great family is being able to effectively communicate with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents. So Debbie, talk a little bit about how do we do this? Well, I think the thing that makes communication so difficult on so many different levels is that we communicate so differently. You know, um, you've heard the expressions that opposites attract, and within marriage, that is so true. It's normally someone who's very outgoing is attracted to someone that's more of an introvert and, and things like that. And so your communication styles are normally very different in marriage. And as a result, you expect someone to communicate the way you do, and there, there can be a lot of misunderstandings very easily just because you communicate in so many different and various ways than the other person does. And I know that that's true of us. Uh, we communicate very, very differently. I'm, I'm a verbal processor, and so I just want to talk things through, and like I'll, I'll suggest this. Well, no, I don't know about this, and it just can make you crazy because you want me to have already processed right. and come to a conclusion right. before I start to speak, and that's just not necessarily how I work. So I'm very much a verbal processor. Right, and I'm, I'm kind of a... Hey, let's let's get to the heart of it. Let's you know, let's land the plane. You know, if I ask a question, just just give me the the facts. And uh, sometimes you go, you know, around the mulberry bush and. Right, but it's a fun trip around the bush. See, that's why it's it's a it's an adventure. Right. Around the bush for me, but I think too, um, like we saw this last night. Um, but they just talked over each other. All three of them talked over each other last night at the debate, and that to me just. Oh, it just is unnerving to me. And so that was one part of communication that we both were in agreement upon. Like you have your turn. Now it's my turn to speak. Now it's your turn to speak um, so that we can kind of process and talk through things. Um, but people just have very, very different styles. And when you don't um, give each other grace in those differing styles, boy, you can really start having a real breakdown in communication and you can have some anger and frustrations that start to set in. And once that anger sets in, boy, communication just kind of comes to a halt right. once that anger ha has set in. Well, as you said, opposites attract, but then when opposites marry, they can tend to attack because you are very different. You marry somebody different, and you marry somebody different because you're attracted to those qualities they have that you don't have. Right. Uh, two people that are much alike don't tend to marry each other because why do I need you? You, you bring to the table the same things I bring to the table. Uh, I know, Debbie, I was so attracted to you because you were extremely disciplined. I love that about you. You're extremely organized. Uh, I find that 
just very, very attractive qualities because I'm not good at that naturally. And so uh, so I really look at those things with you and I was like, man, I, I wish I could do that. And so um, I love what Rocky Balboa, who is my favorite movie character, I love what he said to uh, to his friend Paulie concerning his wife, Adrian. And he said to Paulie, he said, well, you know, Adrian and I, we fill gaps. And Paulie said, what do you mean fill gaps? What does that mean, fill gaps? And Rocky said, well, you know, I have gaps and she has gaps. And together we fill the gaps because they had different strengths and different weaknesses. So together they were stronger. Just as the scripture says, two are better than one. Because uh, together, uh, Debbie and, and I together, we're much, much stronger than we are apart. Because I have strengths where she has weaknesses, and she has strengths where I have weaknesses. Well, I know one of the things that really attracted me to you, or attracted, how do I say that? I don't think, did I say that right? Okay. Yes. That attracted me to you was you're just level consistency in your temperament because I have a tendency I'm to just I can be all over the place and um, I love that about you but then after months of marriage you're like okay you're just kind of flatline I need you to be more <laughs> expressive than this I need you to show more emotion about this than than you're showing I mean I'm so engaged in this conversation I feel so passionately about this topic and you're just kind of deadline, you know, deadpanned. And so that could be a source of, of frustration between the two of us because you had a tendency to call me out every time I remotely emoted too much or exaggerated too much or, or whatever it was just based on my temperament. And um, I would get frustrated with you because you didn't respond enough. You didn't have enough passion about what we were talking about. Right. Differences in communication right. styles. Just like the, the book, The Five Love Languages. Right. We communicate love differently. Well, we communicate just in general differently. Right. And we have to give the other person space. One communication style is not better than another. They're just different. Right. And so you got to give space to your spouse, to your kids. And any of us that have more than one child, you know your kids communicate differently. Yes, absolutely. And uh, one size doesn't fit all. And in how you parent, you have to parent uh, according to the child, train up a child in the way he should go, according to his way, according to his bent. And you have to be wise in how you do that. Well, I think, too, in our growing up years, in our families of origin, we learn to communicate so differently. You grew up in a household with five other brothers and sisters, so your house was loud and everyone's talking all the time, and I was an only child, so I didn't understand all of that. And so my my communication came from such a different vantage point, just from my family of origin, than yours did. And in my family, we didn't necessarily talk about things. Uh, we kind of swept things under the rug thinking they were just going to kind of go away. And you were not like that at all. In no. your family, you hashed everything out. And so I remember the first time we had a conversation where we were, ha you were forcing me into this hash, hash it out situation. It was so uncomfortable for me because I was used to like, why are we talking about this? If we, if we just leave this alone, it should just go away. We shouldn't talk about this. And so we just had to kind of learn each other and, and learn how to uh, work past those differences and gain some common ground of understanding between the two of us. Yeah. And I think that that causes a lot of trouble in marriage and in family life when there's an elephant in the living room, everybody knows it's there and you just throw a sheet over it 
hoping it's going to go away. It, it doesn't go away. It, it's always there. It continues to grow and right. it continues to make a mess under the sheet. And eventually you get to the place where the sheet doesn't cover it anymore. And it stinks. And it stinks. Yeah. And so it's always better to deal with issues. That's why the scripture says, uh, be angry and do not sin. Uh, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. When something happens in marriage, when something happens in the family, you have to deal with it. Uh, you can't just sweep it under the rug, put it in the closet, um, pretend, close the door, pretend like it doesn't exist. It does exist, and so you need to talk about it. And it may, you may need to wait a little bit. Um, you know, when you're in the, the throes of anger, right. you know, hey, let's cool down so we can talk about this. But if you let the sun go down on your anger and you don't deal with issues and that happens one day, two days, three days, a month, two months, six months, uh, that creates resentment and bitterness in the marriage and in the family. And uh, that destroys oneness and destroys the love that's in the home. Well, and I think, too, there's, along with just different styles of communication, there's different levels of communication, too. You know, you can talk to anybody about the weather, about, you know, say hi in an elevator or whatever. But when you start getting into deeper levels of communication, talking about your opinion or your emotions or how you feel, or just trying to really be vulnerable and transparent with another person, that can be very scary too, especially if you came up in a family of origin where you didn't go deep like that, you know, and, and we differed in that, that way as well when we got married. Um, I just wasn't used to that real deep kind of communication and it felt very threatening to me when we first got married. I didn't, it didn't make me feel safe at all. Even though I knew I could trust you and felt safe with you, that was just so unfamiliar to me. Um, to be able to share like that and think, okay, even if we don't agree, that doesn't ruin our relationship. That doesn't ruin, um, mess up our commitment and our love for each other. Right. You know. I love the definition of intimacy. Intimacy is into me you see. Right. And so I share my heart with you and you share your heart with me and we're able to, to draw close together. And you know all about me and I know all about you. And we still accept one another and we still love one Warts another. Warts and all. Warts and all. Right. That's the way God does with us. Isn't that awesome? And uh, so it really is awesome. You know, I tell people all the time, hey, in prayer, don't tell God what you think he wants to hear. Tell him what's really going on in your heart because God is a good God. God loves you and God won't reject you even if you have to tell him some horrible things. He knows them anyway. But share those with the Lord. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Hey, we'll come back after the break. Thursday, October 8th at 7 p.m. Central, concerned citizens from across the nation will gather for the AFA at Home Virtual Town Hall. Register for free at afaaction.net. It's an opportunity for you to tap into the trusted insight of our panel of frontline culture warriors, Sandy Rios, Dr. Richard Land, Star Parker, Abraham Hamilton III, the Benham Brothers, and Tim Barton. Topics include censorship and social media, the sanctity of life, socialism, the threat to America's republic, and more. 
Hi, I'm Walker Wildman, host of AFA at Home. At this critical time in America, it's important that we stay abreast of the threats to our nation's future. That's why we're bringing you AFA at Home, our first ever virtual town hall. Join us. AFA at Home streams live Thursday, October 8th at 7 p.m. Central at afaaction.net. Register for free at afaaction.net. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I was finishing undergrad and got credit cards because I couldn't work full-time. So that started the credit card journey for me. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. And then when I got married, we combined our credit card debt and it became impossible to pay off on our own. At that point, I was like, I don't know where to turn. And then I found Trinity. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relief. I mean, in a matter of three years, we've already paid down $20,000 in credit card debt, which is huge. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Here's Dr. Ben Witherington from the American Family Studios documentary, The God Who Speaks. Here's the most important point for looking at our Gospels. Most ancient people believe that how you died most revealed your character. Now this is a problem, because how did Jesus die? He died by the most shameful way to die in antiquity, through death on a cross. So one of the strong motivations for telling the tale the way that the New Testament writers told it is to make clear that though this would appear to be the most horrific and shameful death ever, that yet he was still not only a good person, but he was God's person on top of that, and that after his death, God vindicated him. Visit thegodwhospeaks.org. joining us this beautiful fall afternoon. Um, my name is Debbie Shreve. I'm here with my husband, Jeff Shreve, and we are filling in for Miki and Will this week and next. Um, we are so privileged to be able to do this, and I hope that you're enjoying this even an iota as much as we are, because we're having a blast doing it. Um, we are going to be taking some calls and some questions on this third part of the program, which will be after this segment. So I wanted to go ahead and mention the phone number that you can call in with any kind of questions or comments that you might have. And that number is 888-589-8840. And we have been talking about uh, this topic of communication and how differently men and women communicate how differently based on your personalities you can communicate. You can communicate on different levels. And I, I read this quote one time. I thought it was just so funny that I, I wanted to share it today. But it said, women speak because they wish to speak. 
whereas a man speaks only when driven to speech by something outside of himself. Like, for instance, he can't find any clean socks to wear. (laughs) And I think that's just so true, because I think by and large, on the average, not in every situation, but women are more verbal. Women have a tendency to talk, to want to communicate much more so than most men do. Now, there are exceptions to that, obviously, but in general, that's a, a safe analogy to make. Right. And I think in marriage, so you can have one party that uh, talks a lot and the other that doesn't talk enough. Uh, I, I wrote this down one time at a conference that said this, a constant talker is saying, I care about me, but a good listener is saying, I care about you. Oh, that's good. And part of communication, obviously, there are two parts to it. It's um, listening and speaking. So if you're going to be a good communicator, uh, how you speak. But if you're going to be have good communication in your marriage and in your family and in relationships in general, you need to not only be good at speaking, but you need to be good at listening. I used to work in the chemical field before the Lord called me in the ministry, and I worked for a chemical company called Nalco Chemical Company. And I still remember in the training that I went to in Naperville, Illinois, I was there for three weeks, and uh, we had a a session, and it was called A Cause for Listening. And it was all about how to listen well. And I thought to myself, well, this is dumb. I mean, who doesn't know how to listen? But the reality is most of us aren't very good at listening. Uh, I remember Gary Smalley years ago, he said, uh, guys, when you talk to your wife, you need to listen to her kind of like you do in the fast food line at a restaurant where you're giving your order and then they repeat it back to you. So you listen closely to make sure they got, you know, your double cheeseburger and large fries and tater tots. Hold the mayo, (laughs) right? Right, yeah. (laughs) The details. The details. So you're listening closely on that so you don't get back, hey, I got a burrito, I didn't order that. But, you know, I wasn't listening when she repeated it back to me. So he said, guys, listen to your wife in with that kind of attentiveness. So you want to hear everything she has to say. Debbie, I remember a story I heard years ago about a 95 year old man who went to the doctor to get a full uh, physical, a full checkup. And the doctor checked him from head to toe and then sat down and had a conversation with him and had a consult. And so the man listened and then he went his way. It was about a week later that uh, this doctor was out to dinner at this nice swanky place that had a dance floor. And he sees his 95-year-old patient on the dance floor just going to town, cutting it up with a 25-year-old blonde bombshell. And the doctor is watching him, and he is shocked as this guy is just moving and shaking and uh, doing all these things on the dance floor. Well, when the song was over, he calls the guy to his table, and he says, uh, hey, what are you doing? And the 95-year-old man said, well, doc, I'm just doing what you told me. And the doctor said, well, what did you hear me tell you? He said, well, you told me to get a hot mama and be cheerful. He said, I did not. I said, you have a heart murmur. Be careful. (laughs) That's funny. So sometimes we don't (laughs) listen very well. And so we want to spend some time talking about how to listen well. Because the scripture says, uh, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, 
and slow to anger. God's given us two ears and one mouth. You can close your mouth, but you can't close your ears. And we need to be good at listening. So a few tips for you in marriage and in family life to listen well. Uh, Tip number one, when your spouse is talking to you, when your children are talking to you, uh, when your parents are talking to you. your boss is talking to you. Yes. (laughs) Give focused attention. So put down your cell phone device, put down your iPad, uh, pause the TV or turn it off, even better, at least mute it. Um, but, <laughs> right. but, and look at the person and give your spouse, your family member, that person at work, give them your full attention because that communicates, I care about what you have to say. You know, it's interesting because I know I've been on the phone with you so many times. And as we're talking, I can tell that you are not focusing your attention on me. I can now you think I don't know, you think you're pulling one over on me, you know, but I I have so many times called you on the carpet and said, okay, are you on your phone? Are you looking at something on your computer? Are you reading something? What are you doing? Because I'm, I'm not thinking you're really listening to what I'm saying right now. Yeah, and most of the time you're right. Yeah, I know. Isn't that, isn't that funny how most of the time I'm right? I think a lot of us try. Say and- that one more time. <laughs> I think a lot of us try and multitask. Right. So it's like, I can still do this. I can still read these emails and listen to you. But the reality is you can't listen with full attentiveness. Right. And the way you communicate love to your loved ones is to give them your full attention. Uh, Debbie, I still remember when Sarah, our, our youngest, was five years old, and she she's like you, and she can go into a lot of detail in her stories. And she's she, precious. She was telling me a story, and I'm watching the football game, and so as she's telling me the story, my eyes are glued to the TV, and I'm just kind of saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And man, she picked up on really fast that I wasn't listening. She grabbed my face and turned it over to, toward her, and she said, Daddy, you are not listening to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, that was a great reminder that you need to listen with your whole body. You need to give full attention because giving full attention communicates love and care and concern. Well, and it just shows respect, too, that you respect the other person enough and value them enough that you're really paying attention to what they're talking about. Because it's not fun to feel like you're being ignored and that what you're saying doesn't matter and it's not important. So I think that's another um, a, another issue that you can you can avoid if you're really focusing in when someone's talking to you. Right. You know the other tip that will help a lot in homes and in marriages, if when the other person is talking to you, not only give them your full attention, but then listen to what they have to say with acceptance and understanding, and put away your defenses. Right. Uh, so much of the time, we'll hear a little bit about what our spouse says to us, and we'll immediately get defensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids can do this with parents. Uh, they're, they're bashing me again, or they're coming down on me, and so they just tune them out. You know, They just kind of stick their fingers in their ears, so to speak, and uh, they don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they get very defensive. The defenses go up. Uh, 
you have to be able to be a good listener. You have to be able to let your defenses down so that you can hear what the other person has to say. Now, you may not agree with what they say, but at least hear them out and know where they're coming from. Well, and when you don't agree and when you don't understand, that's when you need to ask some questions. Like, when you said this to me, what did you mean? Let, let's let's dive into that just a little bit more because I, I'm this is what I heard, but I don't know that that's what you were saying. I don't know that's what you're trying to really tell me. You know, we had that happen before. You remember when you came home from work that one day so frustrated right. with your job because you were already kind of being feeling like you were being called into ministry and you were just so frustrated with your job. You finish the story because you tell it better. Well, I remember I wasn't doing very well, and you said, what's wrong, what's wrong? And I didn't want to tell you. I just didn't want to get into it. And then you kept pressing me, and I said, well, I'll tell you what's wrong. I hate my life. Yeah. And Put the knife right in my heart. Well, you misunderstood I hate my life to mean I hate you. Right. And I hate my life with you and the kids. Right. That's not what I meant. Right. I I should have prefaced it. I hate my a professional life. Right. I didn't hate my home life, but I still remember going in. You had gone into the bathroom. Oh my crying. gosh! I would just almost threw up. I was crying so hard. I thought, "Oh, this is just so awful." But yeah, that was one of those times where I didn't. If I wouldn't, if I would have immediately asked for more clarification on what you meant by that, we could have avoided some of that conflict. But I didn't think to do that. I, I wasn't astute enough to do that, and so I just immediately misinterpreted what you said um, and then it just it caused such a deep hurt and a wound in me that really was unnecessary you know because that isn't what you meant at all so just to to ask those questions to clarify like okay this is what I heard when you said that is that really what you meant does right. when you said that did you really mean hey you don't want to be married to me anymore you our life and our kids and our family that you hate all of that. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. You know, I, I could have asked you those clarifying questions, and that would have really helped. Yeah. Well, I, obviously the answer would have well, been no. Right. That's not what I meant. Right. But, I mean, you know, that could have saved us a lot of heartache. Right. But it, it ended up being a good story. That it was. We can it's use a later. great illustration, is it not? And yeah. it's just a true one. Yeah. And yeah. so you have to be, you have to be careful uh, how you communicate and uh, how, you, how you receive things. And, right. And Asking those questions. You know, the other thing, too, is to listen uh, for the essence of what the person is communicating. So if, if a wife says to her husband, um, honey, do you think I look fat? Uh, you got you to gotta listen more deeply than just the question. And you don't want to answer that question. You don't want to pull out an obesity chart and say, <laughs> well, you're five foot six and this is how much you weigh and this is what the chart says and here's your BMI. You don't want to do any of that. Uh, when a woman says, do I look fat? She's basically communicating to you that she doesn't feel very pretty and she doesn't feel very uh attractive and desirable and so uh, that's another way of her saying please tell me that you love me and tell me that uh, I'm beautiful and so uh, do I look fat honey you are beautiful you are gorgeous of course you're not fat uh, you, you know look, we, you look great now if she's 100 pounds overweight you might want to not do the course you're not fat but you know you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. uh, you you f- shower her with your love because she's not feeling very loved at that moment. Uh, She can say things like, 
Um, honey, she can greet you at the door. Honey, how much do you love me? Now, that's a question that communicates, I did something today that you're not going to like very much, so I need to kind of butter you up right. uh, so that I can tell you this bad news. But but listen more deeply and, and try and determine what is driving this question or this conversation. Where's the hurt there? And we're not talking about just chit-chat. We're talking about when you're sharing things and, and hurts and difficulties and frustrations and things like that. Find out where that's coming from. Well, I think, too, especially in a work environment, you know, your your boss or someone that you're working with can say something to you that can be very hurtful. And it's always good to kind of take a step back and remember that hurting people hurt people. Right. So when, when people say derogatory, stinging kind of remarks, it's normally because they're they're hurting themselves. Right. Um, and and it's, it's good to be able to have the wisdom and the discernment to kind of step back from the situation and kind of give that person a break, give them a little bit of grace and see if you can't dig deeper into what's going on in their life and not right. take that burden on, get so frustrated yourself in that situation. Right. That's important. You know, you put yourself in their shoes and uh, especially like when you were taking care of little kids and you were at home and stay at home mom, um, that's a hard gig. And that can yes, be it is. very, uh, it's just, I, I think that's the, the hardest job on the planet is stay at home moms, the, 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 the job that they do. And it's so important. And I think, uh, guys, you need to keep building. If you have a stay at home uh, wife, you need to build her up and build her up and build her up and let her know, hey, what you're doing and raising our kids is so very important. Because the culture tells you completely different than that. Right. You're getting attacked constantly that what you're doing is ridiculous. You've given up your career. You know, you're you're not worthwhile. You know, all of that. That's what the culture tells you. Right. So to, to constantly uh, let your spouse know, hey, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for what you do. And that goes both ways. I mean, uh, a husband that is out there in the working world slaying the dragons, uh, he needs to be encouraged by his his wife to, hey, thank you for all that you do for our family. Thank you for providing for our family. Uh, those things go a long way. Uh, just as the scripture says, encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Well, we are coming up on a break, and so I just want to encourage you. Uh, we would love to take your phone call, so if you will call in, 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. We are talking about the subject of communication. And so uh, we want to help you in that critical area uh, in your life, in interpersonal relationships, and maybe difficulties you have uh, with parents or with siblings and how to communicate. Or even communicating with God, even how you communicate right. with Him. right. I, because a lot of us have trouble. We have trouble praying. I was, a friend of mine told me today that uh, his daughter said, um, hey, I can't, I can't pray right now. I don't think God's listening to me. And so there was a, there was a wall up there, and uh, she, she's kind of in a tough place, and so she needs other people to pray for her and to help her to know that uh, God is there. God does listen. God does answer prayer. God is a refuge and a strength for us, a very present help when we're in trouble. 
So we will take your calls after the break, and we'll look forward to hearing from you. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. AFA is pleased with President Trump's nomination of Amy Coney Barrett as our next Supreme Court Justice. Judge Barrett opposes judicial activism, and she's a well-respected woman of faith. Liberal opposition to this nominee by anti-religious bigots will be intense. Now's the time to contact your senators and urge them to stand strong against the liberal tsunami of hate aimed at Judge Barrett. Email or call and urge your senators to confirm Amy Coney Barrett. Learn more at afa.net. Well, these are certainly tough, tough times, aren't they? Hi, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, engaging the world with God's Word for more than 80 years at only $5 a Bible. You know, I'm grateful that God has given Bible League a platform for more than eight decades to address the other pandemic, and that's the shortage of Bibles all over the world in places like Asia, Africa, the Middle East, and Latin America. In fact, at Bible League, we determined that as few as one Christian in 10 has a Bible. What's that mean, that during this pandemic, many evangelical Christians elsewhere in the world cannot open their Bible and be reminded of God's promises like 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your cares on Him for He cares for you. But you know, during this time of sheltering in place, we can shelter in grace. Learn how you can be a blessing to believers around the world praying for a Bible by visiting sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org or by calling Bible League at 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. No doubt. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with health care costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 27 years. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. I am Jeff Shreve, here with my wife, Debbie Shreve, and we're filling in for Will and Mickey on airing with the Addisons this week and next week. Uh, Just a little bit about me. I am the pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and also the... uh, the founder of From His Heart Ministries, a radio and television ministry that broadcasts around the nation and around the world on, uh, on various outlets, television and radio outlets. We are pleased to be able to uh, partner and broadcast with American Family Radio every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time. So we'd love to have you tune in to From His Heart. You can find out more at fromhisheart.com. 
www.ohio.org. Well, we have opened up the phone lines, and we are excited to take a call from Jason from Arkansas. Jason, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Thanks for calling today. How can I help you? Uh, I called yesterday, but uh, I was I got a question. Uh, when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, sorry to change the subject on y'all, but uh, it says that uh, Moses and Elijah was standing there, or Elias, it says, but we all know that it was Elijah. Uh, how did Peter, James, and John know that it was Moses and Elijah there without ever having seen them? And the Bible does not say that uh, they told them who was standing there, that it be uh, Moses and Elijah. So my question was, how, how in the world did they know that it was Moses and Elijah? Was uh, there's no there was no pictures at the time. They may have had just uh, a description of what they looked like, but it uh, passed down generation to generation. It couldn't have been very accurate. Uh, but how? That's my question. How did they know it was yeah. them without ever having seen them? Yeah, great question, Jason. Uh, the Bible doesn't really give us the answer to that. Other than, I guess, God revealed that to them. That's who these two people were. Uh, it's very important that it was Moses and Elijah because Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. And both the law and the prophets point to Jesus. And the voice of the Father says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And so I, I remember years ago, I preached a sermon on the transfiguration. And uh, I called it Center Stage because Jesus is center stage. It's all about Jesus. And Moses points to Jesus, and Elijah points to Jesus, and the Father says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the hero of the Bible. The Holy Spirit came not to glorify himself. Jesus said, he shall glorify me. And so we always, we lift up the name of Jesus when we preach and when we um teach and when we sing because it's all about him but great question and the like i said the scripture doesn't really say how they knew that it just says they did and so uh, thanks for calling we have jeanette in louisiana talking about communication jeanette can you hear me yes yeah thanks for calling today i can hear you uh, thank you and uh it's nice to, uh I listen at American Radio Station. I've been listening at them for two years now, and I don't never turn my uh, radio off. Oh, good. <laughs> and I, but uh, what I want to talk about about communication. Sometimes the person, um, you know, the person that might be upset about something, and uh, when they come with the other person, the other, um, you know, the husband or wife, sometimes instead of approaching them right off, you know. They ought to be able to read them and to feel their feelings and that something is wrong. And maybe they should just wait before they try to make them. <laughs> exactly. Make the other person tell them what's wrong. And then, you know, when they relax and everything, then they can come and explain to you. So everybody has to learn how to communicate and, you know, how to right. treat each other. And like the Bible says, uh, the first commandment is to love and to love God and love yourself and love others. So if you know how to treat, how, how God treats you, then you should treat and love others with the same love. Right. That's an excellent point. 
um, Jeanette, because uh, sometimes the, the timing is critical. And so if, if we need to talk to our spouse, it might not be the right time to jump into a deep conversation. Um, there might be some other things going on. And we're going to be talking about that tomorrow. That's that's our main topic tomorrow is in the in the act of communicating. We talked today about listening, but tomorrow we're going to really focus in on how to talk, yeah. how to speak, how to speak, how to, to express yourself well. But uh, timing is critical on that, and so um, it's never good. I always tell people this at marriage conferences. Um, it's never good when the husband just comes home from work for the wife to hit him right at the door with all sorts of problems. James Dobson said once, I've never forgotten this. He said, you know what a husband wants when he comes home from work more than anything else? It's not sex. It's not dinner. He wants peace and quiet for about 15 or 20 minutes. If you give him peace and quiet for 15 or 20 minutes, then you can talk to him about a lot of things that are difficult uh, maybe to hear, but don't hit him as soon as he walks in the door with that because he's going to have trouble uh, processing that. And if you continue to do that, he's not going to want to come home. He, he'll want to wait till you go to bed. So thanks for that call, Jeanette. Uh, we have uh, Ari in Mississippi. Ari, can you hear me? Ari, are you there? Yes, hi. Hi, how's it going? Um. I just wanted to uh, comment, you know, talking about uh, um, how you, uh, the spouse needs to learn to listen. But uh, I think you also need to address the responsibility of the person who wants to be heard to make sure that the person is listening. Uh, my wife and I, uh, my lovely, lovely wife and I have been married 23 years. Um, she knows how I am. I cannot multitask. If I'm turning a screwdriver or reading a, a magazine article or eating chips, she knows that that's the only thing I'm thinking about. <laughs> and she has to, she's got to come to me and say, I need to say something. Pay attention. Yes. Because if, if she just walks in and starts talking, she'll be four or five sentences into the paragraph before I even realize she's talking to me. Because right. it takes me that long to switch from what I'm focused on over to her. So, yes. uh, you know, and, and I don't mind doing that, but she has to make sure that she's right. switched over before she starts saying what she has to say. Yes, so, that's very, uh, very the important. Who wants to be heard. Yeah, the, the person who wants to be heard has to make sure that the other the person knows that they want to be heard. Yes. I would totally agree with that. It's uh, and that's what we'll we'll talk about that tomorrow too about timing, and making sure that the uh, conditions are right to to jump into a, a conversation that's more than just you know how's the weather, um, but where the other person really needs to listen. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Now we have Daniel from Virginia, talking about Christians and preparing for persecution. Daniel, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah, well, welcome yeah. to the program. Yes, thank you. And I just wanted to thank you, uh, Pastor Jeff, and your wife, Debbie. Uh, it's amazing. I smile as I listen at you, um, how the Lord always has this person <laughs> for his generation. And you are definitely um, one of those. I think of Billy and Ruth Graham, and, and I think of them, and I think of you, and I, I just, just smile 
um, oh, with okay. both of you. Thank you for your service. You're very kind. Thank you. Um, that I had is, in this day and time here now, how do we as Christians, how do we prepare ourselves for persecution? Um, I mean, we're not masochists. We don't like to, uh, to think about our heads being cut off or or right. any being burned up or something like that. How, how do we how do we prepare ourselves for persecution? Great question. I think um, just as you walk with the Lord, as you uh, ask Him and seek His face for strength. You know, every day, Romans 12 is a great prayer to pray every day as you get out of bed and hit your knees. And uh, as Paul said, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And so you just say, Lord, here I am. I'm on the altar today. However I can serve you, however I can glorify you, whatever happens to me today, I, I want you to be magnified in me. I want your name to be praised. And so God is in charge of our days. He's in charge of what happens to us. If we're walking in the center of his will, there's nothing that will come into our lives that doesn't first filter through his fingers of love. And so we can just trust him. And uh, I remember in seminary, in church history, they would say that the, the martyrs and in the early church, when there was so much persecution against Christians, they said that a Christian didn't seek out martyrdom. He didn't seek to be arrested. Uh, he, he didn't want to be arrested, obviously, didn't want to be burned, didn't want to be beheaded. But if that uh, happened to him, that God would give grace to those those Christians being persecuted, those Christians being martyred, he, he'd give that uh, martyrdom grace to be able to withstand uh, the, the the tortures and the you know the, the atrocities that would be uh, in, inflicted upon that person. And uh, so that was a that was a special touch from God, as it says in Hebrews. You know, we come before His throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So I think we just keep deepening our relationship with the Lord, and as we do, uh, He will see us through. I think too, just in that word history triggered something in my mind, and that is that if we look back on just our own lives, we can look back and we have a history of proven faithfulness, that God has been faithful to us in different situations and in different circumstances. And it's good to remind ourselves of that. And, you know, the Bible assures us that God is the same yesterday, today, yes, forever. And so if he has provided and taken care and been faithful in our history and in our past, he's going to do that in our today. He's going to do that in our future as well. And so we can trust him for that. We don't have to be fearful and we don't have to be in angst. Uh, but we can just know that his sovereignty is above all, and we can trust him. Right. And as, as we get closer and closer to the, the return of Christ, the scripture says, now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink back in shame at his coming. First John chapter two. And so we need, this is a wake up call for believers to really press into the Lord, to really get our lives right, to be the people he wants us to be because Jesus is coming soon. Well, thanks so much for that call, Daniel. Now we have Sherry from Oklahoma talking about uh, communication with her son. Sherry, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. 
I have a question about my son. He's 21. He's agnostic, and he's all about video games and computers and, and the things of the world. And I'm all about God. How can our communication become better? Hmm. Well, that that's a difficult one for sure. And uh, I appreciate you bringing that up because I think that probably uh, hits a lot of people. Sure. Where they have a, a son that's you know late teens, early twenties, and just wants to play video games and doesn't want to hear the truth. And um, I think you know. Uh, Sherry, I think it's very difficult uh, when we start talking about witnessing to family and sharing Christ with family members. They can be the hardest ones to reach because family members know what we're like. They know us through and through. They they see us with our hair down, so to speak, and so they know we're not perfect. And so we have to be genuine because we can't we can't fake it with them. Um, and so I would just encourage you with your son to. Uh, try as well as you can to enter into his world, to be able right. to speak his language, the things that are important to him, to, that he knows you you love him uh, no matter what, and you're going to be there for him no matter what, and that you pray for him and that you care about him. Um, don't try and cram Christianity down his throat because that doesn't work well. Uh, don't leave tracks for him or sermon tapes or CDs or whatever. Don't do that. Um, because that can that can be off-putting for somebody that doesn't want to hear it. Just as Jesus said, they'll know we're Christians by our love, and the way that you love Him, the way that you speak highly of Him, the way you encourage Him, uh, that can go a long way in reaching Him for Christ. Well, and just to, to pray for Him, just to continue to lift Him up before the Lord and make your desires known to the Lord of, of what you want that relationship with your son to be like. And, uh, you know, kids want to love their parents. They they come hardwired for that. And um, we as parents have to do a whole, whole lot wrong to get a kid to not want to love us. I mean, because they're just, it's just hardwired. With so just show them that love and show them that attention and, and continue to pray for them. Yeah, and so, um, you know, there, there are no guarantees with kids. You know, you can do everything right, and your child has to make a decision for himself, herself, to receive Christ and to follow after the Lord. But, uh, you know, the old expression, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Uh, that's true, but you can make him thirsty, and that's what we uh, need to do as as parents and as believers is make an unbelieving world, even if that unbelieving world is in our own family, make them see Jesus in us in such a way that they would say, I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus like mom does, like dad does, like my friend does. Well, thanks so much for being with us today. We uh, It's always a privilege and we look forward to being with you at this same time tomorrow. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.